You know, there are certain concepts or spiritual things that have transcended religion and have become part of our greater culture, that have become part of just the American cultural experience, that move beyond Scripture and move beyond spiritual matters and have just become part of what we do here. For instance, it doesn't matter what happens when there is a national tragedy you're going to hear the song Amazing Grace played. Whatever it is. It it won't even be in a, there's a great book out about the the hymn Amazing Grace and how Amazing Grace has really become our national hymn. It is a hymn that really almost transcends religion. There are folks that aren't believers who want Amazing Grace played in a moment of tragedy. This hymn that is one of our dear hymns of faith has really moved beyond the sphere of religion and become almost an element of our national identity. Anytime, and watch, anytime a tragedy happens, you're going to hear Amazing Grace played at a service or played underneath the newscast or something. You will hear Amazing Grace played. We're getting ready for March Madness. And there's going to be some small team that's going to beat some large team. And what has just happened? David beat Goliath. You know, it's a concept that has moved from the religious sphere to our culture. So anytime the little guy beats the big guy, David has just beat Goliath. Most folks don't even really, a lot of folks don't even know what the story is, do they? But they know that any time a little fella beats a big fella, that's David beating Goliath. Well, any time a wayward individual returns home after a set time of acting silly, what's happened? The prodigal has come home. The prodigal son returns the prodigal son returns home. So this, this parable that we read, this is one of those things in our faith that has transcended really even the notion of religion and has become kind of one of those things that we all know about or everybody gets the concept even if they don't understand the biblical foundation of it. They know the notion of when somebody that left under bad circumstances comes home, the prodigal, the prodigal has returned home. I guess, and being a big sports fan, I see a lot of these things played out in sports. You know, anytime, you know, a player leaves a team and then comes back home, the prodigal has returned. So we just read the parable of the prodigal son. Well, not actually. Because that, par- that parable is not actually called the parable of the prodigal son called the parable of two sons. See, in this text, we don't just see the prodigal. We see this father. He had two sons. He had two sons. One of the interesting things to do in Scripture is when you read the text is to identify yourself in the story. Where do you see, when you read the story of the prodigal son, where do you see yourself in this story? Like what, if you were, what position would you play? Sometimes We're the prodigal, sometimes we're the older brother, sometimes we're the father. I mean, we all play different roles sometimes. But it's interesting, one of the best things to do when you read Scripture, particularly read some of Jesus' teachings, read some of the parables, is to say, okay, where do I see myself in this? Where do I find myself in the reading of the Scripture? So the story of the two sons. 
Okay. One of the things we do about Bible stories is we make them fairy tales. We don't really think about what's happening. We just, you know, it's like Cinderella and the magic pumpkin. I mean, it's just, these things happen. No big deal. One of the important things to do when you read scripture is, is, is to, as best you can, get an understanding for what's actually happening here. So we have this son, this prodigal son, and he tells his dad, hey, dad, you know, I want what's coming to me. Okay, that sounds harsh, but do you know what he actually just told his dad? Hey, old man, I wish you were dead. I wish you would hurry up and die so that I could get what's coming to me. Because you are worth nothing more to me than the inheritance that I'm going to get. He literally told his father to drop dead. I mean, that's actually what he said. Because the only way he was going to get his share was when the father died. So he tells his dad, hey, I wish you were dead. I wish you were dead. So the father, being gracious, did divide the property. And gave the, bro- the prodigal the younger brother, gave him his share. So he takes his share and goes off to a foreign country. You know, this is a parable. And so, we, you know, Jesus doesn't name a town. But all throughout Israel, there were these Roman towns uh, on the other side of the Sea of Galilee, think places like that, Roman towns where Gentiles lived. How do we know? And, and so, like, okay, if you could think of, like, New Orleans plus, like, Vegas plus, like, wherever, like, all together— that's where he went. Well, I, I did a wedding in New Orleans a couple years back. I did, did a beautiful wedding at City Park, and it was a Friday night, and Holly and the kids couldn't go. And um, it was Friday night, and I was bored. I told her, I said, you know what? I'm going to take a walk. So before I went walked down Bourbon Street, I called my wife and said, baby, I'm fixing to take a walk down Bourbon Street at night. So just if you see anything on TV, you know, I want you to know I was just going for a walk. And I walked, and I said, woo. We're not in Bogachita anymore, Tim. <laughs> We're not in Bogachita. This isn't Hog Chain Road. I mean, this is a different, different drink of water from where I grew up. That's where the sun went to. Wherever that place is in your mind, Vegas, New Orleans, wherever, wherever that place is, is where the sun went off to. He went off and he blew through the money. He, man, he wasted it. You know, it burned a hole in his pocket. And he spent it all to the point where it, this is how we know it's a Gentile town. He said, he got to the point where he was feeding pigs. And y'all, for a Jewish young man, that's, I don't know what you think the bottom, like hitting rock bottom is, that's it. For a Jewish young man to be in a pig pen feeding pigs thinking, boy, those, those pods look good. That, you can't go any lower. You cannot get any lower than this man, than this young man did. And so, he took his father's, half his father's property, blew it, wasted it. And guess what, y'all? That's not coming back. It'd be like if you took half your 401k and gave it away and they wasted it. How many of us would say, yay, that's awesome? No, you'd be furious. The father labored for many years for this, labored, sweated by the toil of his brow. And this punk kid wastes it, throws it away, blows it. I mean, let's, let's make this real. Let's put this in our context. Imagine if your child told you, I wish you were dead so I can get my inheritance. They go off to Vegas, they blow it, and then they come waltzing back home. 
What are you going to do? Well, if you truly love your child like this father did, you say, oh, my child's back home. My child's back home. You know, I can see the child, the younger son. You ever had to, like you ever knew you were in trouble and you know you're fixing to get it. And you rehearse, you rehearse your speech over and over in your mind. Oh, how am I going to get out of this one? Oh, what am I going to say? Oh, and I can see him walking down the road. Oh, Father, I've sinned, against, I've sinned against heaven and against you, and I'm not worthy to be called your son. Worthy? I'm not. You know, you can see him. I can almost see him walking down the dusty road, rehe- rehearsing the speeches. My saying, oh, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I, I know I'm not worthy. Maybe, you know, and you can see him. And, 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 and the Father sees him from far off. He sees him coming. And he runs to him. Philip Yancey tells a great story, and I love the story about this parable. He, he, Philip Yancey read this story to a group of Middle Eastern men, men of that culture, and said, okay, guys, what stands out to you in this parable? Because, you know, we don't understand their culture like they do. And they said, what stands out to you in this parable? And the thing every man that read this parable said stood out to them was this, the father ran to the son. In that culture, men do not run. It is beneath them. It's humiliating. A proper man would never run. That's embarrassing. That's the stuff of children. Men do not run. Yet when the father saw the son, what did he do? He ran to the son. He embarrassed himself with his love for the son. Our God loves us so much. It's literally embarrassing. That's how much God loves you. So he comes and he kills the fatted calf and everything is great. Yay, end of story. Well, not quite. That's the story of two sons. So you got the young son that blew it all. Got the young son that just wasted literally half his father's property. Got this young son that did everything that you would not want your child to do. Then you got the older brother. Out in the field. He's the one, we, he's the guy we tell our kids, hey, be like him. Be like that guy. He's a hard worker. Be like that guy. He's responsible. Be like him. That's, you don't want to be like the prodigal, the younger, because he's going to blow it all. Be like the older, because he's responsible and he's smart. And there he is out there working. And this good-for-nothing brother that blew everything comes home and daddy kills a fatted calf and that's, that's significant because that would have been the calf that was killed at the wedding. He says, okay, this good-for-nothing dumb brother of mine who wastes everything, who blows it, who runs away, he comes home, he gets the robe, he gets the ring, he gets the fatted calf and daddy won't even give me a goat to kill my friends to have a party. I'm doing everything right here and look at him and look what he gets. Look what he gets. Look at what I'm doing. Look how good I'm being. I mean, I even get up and come to 830 Church. Look how good I am. And him. It's not fair. It's just not right. Man had two sons. He loved both of them. 
he runs to the prodigal. And the prodigal returns home. And he goes to the other and pleads, just come on in, son, please. Come to the party. For your brother. Notice what the son says. Your son. The son of yours did this. But notice what the father says to the brother. For your brother. Who he thought was dead. Has now come home. Two sons. Which son are you this morning? You know, we like to be the prodigal. Being the prodigal is a fun story. You know, we get to feel the warm embrace of the love of God forgiving me of all of my sins. Oh, that makes me feel so good. Mm, God loves me. Mm, I love that. It's like a big warm cinnamon roll. I love it. Mm, like a snuggie. You know, we like, the, we, like, we like being the prodigal. Now, we don't like the stubbing our toe that we do when we're the prodigal. We like the prodigal. We, like, we, we often, when we read this text, we envision ourselves as the prodigal. The wayward coming home. Oh, gay God. But if we're going to be honest, sometimes we're the older brother, aren't we? I mean, we're doing right. We're trying to, at least, aren't we? And we're trying to do our very best. We're trying to be faithful. We're working. We're being faithful. And then here, they come waltzing around. We're like, God, get them. Get them. So often, we as Christians, we have a lot of prodigal in this because we've all wandered. Prone to wander, Lord, I fear it. Prone to leave the God I love. We've also got a little bit of older brother in us, don't we? I do at least. Maybe you don't, but I do. I do. I want to be faithful. And I want to honor God. And, you know, why do they get to do what they want to do and get away with it? But here I sit trying to be faithful. Here's the thing. The father loved both sons, and both sons really needed the father. The prodigal needed the father to come to him and say, I love you, son. Yes, I know you wasted half my fortune. (laughs) I know you may have bankrupted this family. I know you have done things that you're not proud of and that we're glad there was no Instagram back then. I know that. But I love you more than the mistakes you've made. The father loved the younger son. But the father loved the older son as well. See, the younger son needed to hear the word of grace. The grace of forgiveness. But the older son needed to hear the word of grace as well. And that word of grace is this. You can't do it all. You don't have to earn my love, the father says. That all that I have is yours. (laughs) There's not a single thing that I own that is not yours. It is all yours. The younger son needed the word 
of grace of forgiveness. The older son needed the word of grace of God's sufficiency. The older son thinks he's got to earn it all. The older son thinks he's got to be perfect. The older son thinks he's got to nail everything and dot every I and cross every T and he's got to just get it right every time. And to that, the father says, no, you're not going to get this because you're perfect. You're going to get it because you're mine. You're not going to get grace because you've earned it. Because if you've earned it, it's not grace. It's a wage. The father to the younger says, you are forgiven. And to the older, the father says, breathe. You're mine. You are just as much mine as that knuckle-headed brother of yours that wandered off and got in trouble. Both sons needed the grace of the father. And the father loved both sons. So Jesus told a story about two sons. Which son are you? Which son are you this morning? Are you the prodigal? Needing to come home? Are you the older brother thinking you've got to get everything right? No matter which son you are this morning, hear this. Your father loves you. Your father loves you. Never forget that. Let's pray.